My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. So I know a whole lot of you guys are like, I need to find my passion. I need to be doing something that lights me up and not just chasing ass. I get it. I totally get it. And then you're in a job that you freaking hate. I get it. And you're sitting there going, but if I could, if I could, if I could, well, you can, it's just a matter of becoming super, super committed to it or kind of stumbling into it as today's guest will kind of talk about how he got where he got. I'm really excited to have him here because we ran across each other through the lovely interwebs and things where you just like hook up with somebody via the internet, not literally guys. So get your heads out of the gutter. Um, but then we realized, Hey, this could be really cool. Now he's concerned. Cause he's not quite for him. Like bitch, you're 39. You're close enough. You're knocking on the door. And he has built a amazing business and life doing something he really loves. And I'm not going to give away a whole lot more because he's got a cool story. His name is Tom Brickman. If you go and look him up, you'll find he is known as the frugal gay. Yes, he's saving money and spending money and making money. So I figured for all you guys are like, I'm never going to get what I want to get out of life. Tom would be a good guess. So um. And he comes from Dallas, Texas. So let's welcome the Dallas boy, Mr. Tom Brickman. Thanks for being here, buddy. Looking forward to it. Hey, this. Rick. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is exciting because I listen to the show and um, I've been a fan for a while. And um, I'm excited to be here and share my uh, journey so far the past uh, 39 years. Awesome. Well, uh, that $100 I gave you right before we got on the show just paid <laughs> off. So. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so 39, he's a dog dad. He's also, he's, he's also married coming up on, he told me right before he came on coming up on five years. So, you know, he's, he's still in the honeymoon phase, so to speak, but, um, how long have you been in love with what you do though? That's the real story. So I, I, uh, my name is Tom Brickman. I'm 39 from Dallas. Um, I started, um, buying real estate at 21. I was in college when I bought that first property. It was the first two doors. Um, I was a senior in college. Uh, growing up, I, uh, my father had one rental and I always thought it was cool to go over and collect rent. So I just kind of followed suit. And um, there was an opportunity for a multifamily. Um, I cashed in my Gap stock. I worked at the Gap um, all through college. It helped me pay for college and uh, used that as my down payment on property number one. And I lived upstairs in the small yucky unit, even though I didn't want to. And um, the big, nice unit downstairs paid pretty much my entire mortgage. Uh, the house payment was $738 and she paid $600 at the time. And I paid $138 a month and I didn't know anywhere I could live for $138 a month. So that kind of got the wheels rolling. And that's still in my portfolio today. That's wow. one that I've held on. Just the thought of $138 a month. I mean, especially in today's, it's just like insane you know especially especially me who lives here in california we have we have apartment complexes right across from us that studios are going for 2275 i'm like what but um but so was it kind of a bug then for you it's like hey i got this first multi-unit and you're like hey this tastes pretty good i think i might chew some more on this no because uh i 
quickly bought property number two in 2004. I was um, 22 years old and it was a single family. I just wanted to be closer to family. I had no business buying it. This is exactly the definition of why there was a financial crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I like signed paperwork at closing and handed them a tiny little check and they're like, here's the keys, enjoy. Um, So I got that second property um, and I lived in it for about 11 months and then I got transferred down to Dallas, Texas for work. And that second property was my money pit. That property from 2004, 2005 to 2015 drained me every year. So no, it wasn't a money. It wasn't a success off the bat. By the time I sold that thing in 2015, I had lost. I, I sold it for 22,000 less than what I bought it for. I lost money on it every year that I owned it. So no, it wasn't uh, love at first sight or uh, smooth sailing. Cause there's been plenty of bumps and bad purchases and things I shouldn't have bought along the way. But that was, uh, my number two. And most people say I would have quit after that one. If I'm losing $22,000 and I'm losing money on it every year, you know, I'm going to tap out. Why am I going to do this? But, um, I started to get serious about getting rid of debt and started buying properties in Dallas in 2009 is when it started to, to really roll. But you just brought up something that's so interesting. I mean, I, th- I don't think a lot of guys think about this. And yes, I'm talking to all you guys that are listening. We, we, we go in debt on so many things, not just on credit cards, not on just other stuff. We go in debt on our lives. We go in debt hooking up. We go in debt on like believing we're not good enough. We go in debt, you know, going, oh, okay, I'm just going to stay in this job. It sucks, but it pays the bills. Every day we're going in debt. But the moment you realize, okay, I'm going to keep going and I will get my dig my way out of this suddenly things start to change because it becomes, you got to believe in something beyond. I mean, I was in debt up to my eyeballs, like to the tune of $80,000 at one point. And well, actually that's not the only time I was in debt. Even the first time I was in debt was like probably close to 40 some. And that was because of somebody else in my world who I'm no longer married to her. Um, But it was really interesting to watch myself go through this twice and go, wait, Okay, first you got to stop. Then there was a, the second time there were some valid reasons that I went into that debt space. But then once I realized I can't keep doing this, I can't, something's got to give, right? And to see that I could have given up, I could have like, okay, fine, this is my, but as soon as I said, no, you're not giving up, you are going to go forward. You can turn this thing around. And suddenly I was so energized by it. So I find it interesting that you kind of like, no, not giving up. I I was not, I, I was not making enough at my nine to five. So I got a second job. I worked at Ross. I, I went in a couple days a week and I just, every single check that I collected from them just went to the credit cards. And uh, it wasn't a crazy amount. It was 17,000. And saying that now, I thought it was a crazy amount back then. Right. But um, I just threw every single check that I collected from them. Whenever I got paid every Friday, it was going towards, you know, whichever credit card it was. And I, I did, a, you know, a snowball method and, and paid them off. And, and it took a little bit over a year. But um, and that's crazy to say that it took me a year to make $17,000. But, um, you know, working a day or two a week, a couple hours at a time, that that's how I, I hit it. And uh but it takes dedication too. Yeah. You had to give up uh, my Sundays. You know, you can't go to brunch on Sundays because you got to go go work at Ross to, to get out of that hole. And uh, my Tuesday nights and my Wednesday nights, those were my three main days that I would go there and really, you know, uh, earn that extra money uh, that wasn't taking time from my nine to five. So 
But it's also it. about realizing that without the dedication, nothing changes. Absolutely nothing changes. And I know guys are listening to this and you're going, oh yeah, I've heard this before. So I got to give up everything. And I got to do things. It's like, okay, well, you could either give up, not everything, you're still living. You could either give up some stuff to get you to this next space, or you can stay where you are and be completely fucking miserable. You know, and, that, and, I, and that's yeah. That, I mean, and that's it. Took a year, so within a year, I was able to. I gave up my my Sundays for a year, but right. I moved myself into that next space by doing it. And what was some of the hardest stuff about giving up that year for you, man? Um, I mean, I kind of align with like-minded people. So my friend also, he worked. He makes a lot. He made a lot more than me at the nine to five, but he still had a part-time job. He works Sunday mornings also. So when I aligned. I think the hardest thing was trying to go out on Friday or Saturday night and then get up Sunday morning and go into, uh, right. Um, go into like, Ross here's and, the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think this is interesting to hear because even as I whittled through like, okay, I'm going to get this 80 grand whittled down. There were days I'm like, I'm never going to see the light. I'm never going to see the light. But then what I started doing, I didn't do home investments and I want to get into that a little bit too, of like, you know, what you've now started to do. But what I started to realize is like, hey, what can I create? What can I create that, you know, an $80,000 when you're like, okay, if I could create $2,000 a month income, you know, net, not gross, you know, because by being independent people, you got to like pay the taxes just like everybody else. But if I could do that and I'm like, well, $2,000, it's going to take all these years. I'm like, yes, but that's only right now how you're looking at it. But then what if you took that 2000 you could get it up to five or six? And the mind change alone was phenomenal because, okay, and people are going to probably go, seriously? I paid that debt down in 18 months by being, and they're like, wow, that's like another full-time job. Yes and no. It became being really cognizant of what I was spending, not like so brutal, like I didn't have a life, but it came instead of like, hey, la, yeah, let's go join another wine club. I'm like, no, nope, we have I have one or two. I don't go now. I don't have four like I used to. Um, it's those little things. I mean, two additional wine clubs a year, that's twelve hundred dollars in money right out the door. Well, twelve hundred dollars. You think about that. That takes a chunk off, you know. But it wasn't just that 1200 It was like, yes, well, oh, let's go to the wineries because we can go taste for free. Mm. Yes, we can taste for free. But how many times did I used to walk out of there? were like, oh, now I just purchased two more. Well, now there's 100 bucks or 200 bucks, depending on, well, I never spent 200 bucks. I never spent $100 on a bottle of wine. Well, maybe once or twice. But it's just interesting to see how you start to rethink everything. Instead of like, oh, let's go out to eat here. No, well, we can go out, but let's go eat here instead. Because it starts to like, and then suddenly at the end of the month, you're like, wow, there's a slush fund, you know? Um, and I think that's part of it. So as you went through this and you started realizing, hey, here's how I'm going to do this. When did the passion start hitting? Like, I'm going to do this over and over and over again. When did you start feeling like this is what I really want to do? Uh, 2009, my fourth property, um, the first property in Dallas. I had very little money to buy it. I bought a two bedroom, two bath condo. Uh, that was bottom of the market. Um, I used every penny I had as the down payment to get it purchased. 
And then I I was left on my own to try and figure out how to make it look nice because it was not in great condition when I bought it because that's what I could afford at that time. And I stretched every penny of, uh, at that time I started flipping merchandise on eBay. I, I used my bonus money. I used any extra penny. I had stopped working that part-time job and I, I went over to eBay because um, I wanted to be able to generate income without having to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, that fourth um, door, that was when it really, and I, I made it nice. I lived in it. I made friends with the neighbors. I made friends with the HOA. And after two years, I'm like, this is the nicest place in here. And I, had, I hadn't invested a ton of money. I had invested time making it nice and painting and doing different finishes and, you know, go, driving down to the outlet to find fancy light fixtures that no one else was going to have and doing that kind of thing. So when I um, flipped that in 2011, I, I sold it. I scaled up into a three bedroom, three bath townhouse. And it just kind of blew up from there. I'm like, people really like what I'm doing. And, and they make it look so easy on HGTV. And it's not easy like HGTV. Right. Um, And there's a lot of mess that goes into it. But at that time, I had also started building up a team of people like I had a friend at work that could do tile, I had a friend that could do HVAC. And and that's when I started to get comfortable. And I'm like, Oh, I could do one of these a year, I could do two of these a year. And there were, you know, 2010, 2011, I was buying a couple every year and I was right. buying what the investors were ignoring. They were ignoring condos because HOAs are hard to work with. There's super limitations. And I'm like, Hey, this is what I can afford right now. So I was buying stuff cash. I wasn't trying to get loans on all these. And um, that's really when it started to grow like crazy. And there was one time in 2013 where I was putting out so many different offers. Um, I put out three offers in one day and all three ended up coming back accepted. And I just took all, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to make this work and move this money around and and figure that out. But that, you know, just last year, I sold a 2013 um, condo that I bought for 15,000 and we sold it for 97,000 last year. And we turned that into different properties. So there was a- But Tom, don't you think that's the thing is having that guttural, in your bones, in your passion, I'll figure this out. I'll figure it out. Every bit Absolutely, of what, yeah. you know, especially when it comes to money, because money is such a fucked up, it's such a fucked up thing. Um, yet it's such we a necessary can, thing too. We can sit and wait for someone else to try and figure it out for us. Or you can, you know, figure right. it out. I got a, I just did taxes a couple of weeks ago. It was a much larger bill than what I anticipated but I, I figured it out. You know, I moved this, I did this and, and I sent off my check last week to the IRS. Mm-hmm. So because you, you figure kinda... it out, you know, you, right. it's about moving forward. And I have learned so much in running my own business too, where it's like, I get petrified. There's times I was petrified, like, Oh my God. Okay. Am I really going to put this much into the business? But what if I don't get this return? I remember years ago, like it's, yeah, I think it's been six years ago when I finally said, okay, I'm going to, I had two websites for my two pieces of the business. Cause I had the gay man's life coach and I had the coming out coach and suddenly the podcast is here. And I'm like, well, I really need a podcast website. I'm like, screw this. I can't have three. I mean, two was nightmare enough. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do this thing with the podcast and I let the company who runs the, my podcast stuff, build the website oh my God, I'm going to put like $4,000 into this. And I'm like, but I'm not even getting a return on this, so to speak. Yet I was because anybody who listened to the podcast was mostly who became clients. So every month I was getting brand new clients because of this. 
but I was so frozen by the thought. And I'm like, as a business owner, you cannot become frozen by the thoughts. You need to think, yes, <laughs> there's no doubt. But you can't let these things freeze you. You just got to go figure it out. And I, I hope a lot of guys listening to this, because I know a lot of you guys are probably in debt up to your eyeballs, or you feel like you are. You may, you, it's all, you know, it's all relative. For some of you, maybe you got $5,000 on a credit card and you're like, oh my God. Now in your situation, that could be huge. Others of you, you say, yeah, I got like 20 grand. It, it concerns me, but you're making bang. So, you know, you go find your thing. But I also feel like based on your story, when you find the thing that really can become your thing, you're willing to go push the limits, but also be very controlled about it. Is that kind of how you see it too? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I always front when I get invited to certain things and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Or I can't afford that right now. And they're like, I don't understand. You're collecting all this rent. You're making this money. You're doing this, you're selling that, but you don't want to go for a, you know, a four day cruise uh, to, to Mexico for the weekend. And I'm like, no, I really don't want to go for a four day cruise. So I, I struggle sometimes um, with the balance of should I do this? Should I not do this? We just went up to uh, Windstar uh, last night just for like, just get away from the house for a weekend, which is a, a casino up in Oklahoma. So you have to have a balance. You can't yep. neglect everything. You know, we went to Costco and spent way too much money this morning. Um, so I think it's important to find that balance. So, and that's where I'm at right now, now that I left my nine to five and I am making money from real estate and making money from my eBay business, the balance is, is where I'm at. And it, um, I'm getting better at it. You know, I'm, I'm acknowledging, I like, yeah, I should, should go do that. I feel like Costco needs to have a sign out front that says, please be warned. You will always spend more than you plan when you walk in these doors. At least then it's like, okay, you know, it's there. But um, I agree, though. There is these moments where even, even when you got it going good. I mean, I got it going good right now. And then we just, we just planned a trip to Costa Rica just in the last six weeks. Thank God we did it before all the gas prices went up. <clears throat> but um, even as I was doing that, I'm like, okay, yeah, we haven't, we haven't done a good vacation. You know, we haven't been anywhere recently. And I mean, we have, we went to Provincetown last spring, but I'm like, we haven't done like a really big, let's just go for it vacation. And when this showed up, I'm like, well, it's not like I don't have the money, but then I'm like, okay, well, how does this contribute? And it was right as I was like paying off some of that last little bit of the debt. I'm like, okay, well, I, I got this. Cause I had some other income come in. I'm like, but then I'm like, and of course my head starts going, but what, but, what, but, but, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, Rick, be good with the decision. You put your business head on. I'm good with this decision. This is what I'm doing. I need a good vacation. I need to get away. I need to let go of everything, you know, and be somewhere where kind of can't be touched, so to speak, even though I know I'll take my laptop with me just in case something happens. But I also know that, hey, when I come back, buckle down. It's time to, you know, not that I need to pay off the debt. It's already paid for, but... I feel blessed that I've gotten my head into these spaces where I can do critical thinking and then act on that critical thinking. Right. I think this is where a lot of people, and again, I'm going to bring it back to us gay guys because that's why we're here. We're talking about gay men. I feel like a lot of gay men who get themselves in these spaces financially 
just gonna say it bitches you're thinking with your dick and not with your heads it's like let's go party let's go get laid and nothing wrong with any of that but if you start to look at what's getting in the way of you being financially able to be who you want to be think about what other stuff you're doing and i'm not again i'm not knocking anybody who wants to go out and hook up and get laid not going to ever knock that but ask yourself what financially goes along with that you know is it like you have to spend a whole night in a bar to get laid and so how much was that bar bill did you decide i'm going to go on this vacation because it's just going to be fun 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 sex 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 but how much was that vacation and couldn't you have well maybe you couldn't have sex 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 i mean i think anybody can do that but i don't know it's just one of those things and again i'm not knocking you guys that are out there and trying to help you i think this whole conversation is about helping you see things you don't see normally. So when you, when you stepped into this and you knew you were going to walk away from your nine to five, what was one of your biggest fears? Uh, Not being able to do it. I put in my notice in 2019, I was ready and um, I doubted myself. And then I stayed for an extra two years. I didn't leave until January of 2022. and all of it was self-doubt. It was, sure. I could do it. And I, fi- I I lived just off rental income. I lived just off my spouse's income. We tried both scenarios. We didn't touch his income and just did rental income. And then I just doubted myself and I stayed. And, and staying was so painful. Going through the pandemic with the company that I worked for was just a, a terrible thing that I did to myself by doubting myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so leaving now and being 90 days out, um, is fantastic because I see how much I could have done in 2020 and 2021 had I given myself the opportunity to actually do it instead of doubting myself and staying with a nine to five that was draining me. All right. But that's a, that's a lovely hindsight is 2020 sort of thing. However, I always say, I'm so glad I can see what was in the rear view mirror, not so much from a regret, but now, okay, I can see what was back there. Now let's make sure as I execute going forward, I don't move forward and go, but oh, wait, I looked back and there's always going to be something. Yes. So we go, oh, okay, I could have done that. But what I find, and I was actually working with one of my clients around this exact subject, like, well, but I'm so, you know, I've I've got some money, but I don't know if I should be spending it. And I'm like, well, I don't need, so should you be spending it even with me? Should you be spending it on a coach? Well, I've thought about that. I'm like, well, I don't want you coming into this with regrets. I'd rather, you know, and I'm like, I don't, I will be the first to say, I would rather have you not regretful about coaching with me than like, I'm not sure this is going to work because if you come in with that, it's not going to work. It, we, you know, not that I have a magic wand, but I've been doing this too long to know that if there's like that sort of a, you know, grudge or even like crutch, it can be really tough. And I know in my own world, as I have looked back, this, that's the reason I'm sharing this. Once I started looking back from a place of what did I learn, not what did I regret, my business started soaring. Oh, I did that. So don't do that again. I used to invest in like every like, oh, here, there's this great entrepreneur. Let's go follow them. And they've got a course and let's do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Most of those courses. And now that I work for a company that we deliver a course like that, except we really get people through the course. Most of those courses, I never finished. I'm like, oh, I didn't get the quick fix hit I want. And that's one of the things I say to people in this course that I do work with is this is a long game. 
This is not get rich quick overnight. This is not do this and suddenly you're going to be done. It's you got to come into it with like, this is for the future. Now, that doesn't mean you won't get a hit. I, I would never say that because a lot of my students in that program do. They get hits and off they go. But I also can see the ones who've invested like, this is my Hail Mary. Everything's gone. I'm like, I wish you wouldn't have done a Hail Mary. And I think you probably see that in real estate too. All the time. It scares me how much some people borrow. And I'm not at that level where I can, you know, I'm not buying the million dollar buildings. I'm buying the $150,000 houses still. And because that's where my comfort is. And I don't right. want to borrow, you know, I don't want to be $10 million in debt. And I see investors that are $10 million in debt and have $15 million worth of uh, real estate. And that's fantastic. That's just not where I am. I'm much comfortable borrowing 150. But you know, it's interesting, so, Tom, because it's very similar to what I encountered as I, as I started to grow this business. I had lots of coaching friends that were, we'd all, we all gone, well, a bunch of us had gone through the programs together. A couple of my friends actually were like a, a, a program ahead of me. So I was surrounded by really great people. And then as, as typical, I saw a lot of them fall out. A lot of them were like, oh, I didn't realize this was a business. <laughs> what did you think? All these months we're sitting here going and getting trained. You didn't think you were going to have to run a business. And it was really interesting to watch some of them try to push me. And like, that's not where I want to go. That's not what I want. Well, why don't you? Well, because I sat in a corporate office and I had plenty of people underneath me. I, I worked all over the globe. I, this is not what I'm striving for. I want a very simple coaching practice that at the most, I might have a virtual assistant, but not even full time because that's all I want. And it was so interesting. Like, well, you're never going to make money. You're never going to get this. I'm like, really? Let's see where we are. And it's very interesting. I'm not trying to come off as bitchy, but I'm going to go there. <laughs> I'm still here. There's a lot of them that are not. And it's because I think they tried to grow beyond their means they tried to be things that they weren't, I shouldn't say they couldn't be, but they weren't ready to be at that time. And now they're not now. And some of them woke up to the fact that like, I don't really want to be a coach either. It's like, and that's a, to me, that's a beautiful thing. It would be like you waking up and going, you know what? I've tried this investing thing. Now let's kind of roll back when you had that second purchase. And it's like, Ooh, it didn't work out. You could have gone down that other path and like, Hey, I tried this. This isn't working. I don't want to feel this ever again. Wash your hands, move on, go find the thing that really turns you on. What I'm hearing from you, though, is you're like, no, I persevered, but I'm, I'm playing in my world the way I want to play in my world. Don't you think 100%. that's a big reason for the success? Absolutely. Because um, I'm, you know, and some people just even with the frugal gay, I started it less than a year, or about a year ago. And people are like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you selling a course? Why aren't you doing this? And I'm growing it you know, at my pace. And right. this is where I'm at. And, and, you know, this week I'm working on, I'm writing up a contract on another property. I'm doing a new lease for a tenant. And, and these are the things that I'm growing mm -hmm. and I'm just growing at my pace. I'm not growing at what everyone else wants me to. And the, D, you know, you get DMS from people that are like, if you do this, if you do that, you know, that's great, but this is where I'm at. And it's not that I'm afraid to take risks because there were plenty right. of, you know, I bought a commercial space that no one would loan us money on. I bought a hoarder house that no one would loan, loan me money on. I had to, I took personal loans 
just to try and get these houses under contract. And I did. And I, you know, it took me a long time to clean out a hoarder house. It was 11 40 yard dumpsters, mm-hmm. but I did it. I did it. And, and now it's a $400,000 house. Right. And it would, you know, a lot of people walk by it. They're like, I wouldn't do that. So I, it's not that I won't take risks, but I'm, I'm taking risks that I'm, I know I went over there every weekend and I emptied out the hoarder house. I, you know, the the commercial space was. But to your point right there, you just said something. I hate to interrupt you, but you said something I want the guys to really hear. You're doing it the way you feel comfortable. Both Tom and I could dole out. I mean, Tom could say, okay, well, if you're going to go like do this, flip houses, do this sort of thing, go do this, this, and this. That's great. But if that doesn't work for you, it doesn't align with your own personal values, your own personal beliefs, it's going to fail. It's that simple. And I, I, it would be like us both saying, okay, if you've got $30,000 in credit card debt, here, just go to one of those places that erases the debt. No, because that may not work for you. Most of the time it doesn't work for anybody because then you got all other stuff that they don't tell you about when you go to those places. Or we could say, what's, what's the path that would make you feel least resistant to getting this paid off? Realistically, not like, oh, it just erases. That would be nice. Yes, if we all had magic wands and we just borrow money and erase it all day long. But I think this is the key because what you did is you aligned with you and you. That's the big difference. A hundred percent. Totally agree. And even though you're willing to take a risk, you take the risks within, I'm not going to use the word comfort zone because I don't think that's exactly where you're at. You're like, this is the only way I feel safe. You're going to take the risk that pushes you just enough out of your comfort zone to get you to the next thing you're going to try. And then you'll do it again and you'll do it again. Now to all your friends who are telling you, you should be right in the course, that may never be in the cards for you. And if not, who cares? Exactly. And, and that's where I'm at. They're like, you know, you're, the window's going to close. You should do a YouTube. They come at me with so many different things. Which is all great so ideas. Di- Agreed, but they're not always for me. And that's, right. you know, that's part of where I'm at. And, um, not everyone's going to be on the same journey as me and not everyone's going to pay off debt or buy real estate like I am or flip bras on eBay or buy a crack house on eBay. Um, but that's okay. It's like, you know, if you can get to where you want to go, it's just going to be a different path. That's fine. You know, and that's where I'm at. Well, it was really interesting for me to see. So, I mean, I know the guys have heard, and I think I already said it here today, these podcasts aren't necessarily quote unquote revenue generators per se, but they do because I get clients out of them. Guys listening. They're like, Oh my gosh, I heard that podcast. I, I realized I, want, I, I literally just talked to a guy this morning. He's like, yeah, I've been listening to your podcast and I realized you're, you're the coach for me. I'm like, okay, cool. And I hope he's listening. Like, I mean, like really cool. I'm excited that you're going to be my client, but when I got pushed to try to do YouTube, I'm like, I don't want to do YouTube. And I know there's my own weird little stuff. Like I'm not that YouTube sensation. I don't like the way I look on camera. Now I'm like, I I don't mind the way I look. I'm just own that I'm a big bear. Fine. I'm finally there. I'm a bear. Get over it. But I still am so much more comfortable behind the microphone like this than, okay, now let's get the cameras on and all that stuff. Now it's kind of ironic because now I have a whole studio of camera lights and everything because I do some stuff, but I'm still not out there like, oh, I'm Mr. YouTube. Let's go. Because that's just, I can do Instagram videos. That stuff is fine. You got to find what works for you. And again, any guys that are listening, there's something that's 
eating at you right now about your finances or about where you want to go. And that's why I wanted Tom to come on this podcast and talk about the journey, because I think you've shown it's leaning in to what calls you, following that calling and exploring it and going, can I make this happen? Even if I trip, I can I still make it happen? Now, obviously, if you've tripped four or five times and it's still, girlfriend, you need to like reevaluate. Something, something's not working. But um, so where do you, in your, in your own like lovely dreams, where would you like to see this whole thing go? Um, I'm at that point where I'm turning 40 this year and um, possibly trading all of these into a LGBT retirement center or a LGBT safe space. Um, I've been looking at buildings in Ohio. Ohio mm. is a lot more affordable than, than Texas. But when you look at retirement centers, when you look at all these different things that I keep looking at, so maybe I can trade two properties into this building or, or that mm. building. Mm -hmm. and, and, and at 40, I want to get there by 50. So I've got 10 years to, to get through this. I'm, I'm writing a contract on a single family. That's potentially getting me closer to that, but it's not getting me to that goal um, right now. But down the road, maybe I trade in 10 properties and I, I turn it into right. that type of, of thing. So that's where I'm going with it. And that's where I'm going with the frugal gay to kind of, you know, I see so many people in the community who are like, I want to do something, but I don't trust banks. I don't do this. I don't do that. I, you know, I have a, a, a my property manager in Ohio is actually a friend that was a drag queen and she, you know, she, drag queens make cash tips. Right. And uh, traditionally right now she was unbanked when we started talking and, and um, she's my property manager and does great and meets, you know, you know, communicates with, she responds right away with tenants. It's been a, a good situation for both of us. Um, but I like being able to hit those others in the community to know you can do this. Right. You don't hit, you know, there's so many opportunities out there. I, I met someone last year. I went to a FinCon um, convention and I met um, uh, another author and she, um, she just, just writing a book on um, people that are in the tipped finance or her, she goes by tip finance is the name of the book, but it's the people in the tipped industry, in the bar industry, in the nightclub industry, in the stripper. You know, right. a lot of them are unbanked, and and that's part of why I started my endeavor because I want others to see you can do this and you can build wealth and you can invest. You know, one of my friends is a masseuse, and he's like, I have this much money, I don't know what to do with it. I'm afraid to do anything with it because I don't want to lose it. And I've heard this story from this person and this story from this person, so. Um, I think it's important to hear other gay men doing it and to Absolutely. hear others building wealth and paying off debts and, and um, it is possible and there are others doing it. I think that's key to our community in all aspects. And you just kind of brought that home again. Like you're not alone. You are not alone. I don't care if you're, you're, you're tipped in, you know, income or whatever. There's always somebody else who has done this, you know? And yes, I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not super like, Ooh, let's go invest in this and this and this yet. I, I really trust my financial advisor and he's actually pretty darn good, but there's still the hesitancy at times, you know, like, Hmm, I don't know, you know, and then my husband's got tons of money in some spaces and, He's like, yeah, the market's up and down. I've lost this much. So I know it's all on paper, but you know, at some point you got to find what works for you. 
and and move it forward and i think there is a uniqueness to us as gay men like talking the i mean it's like anything else talking about being gay talking about your finances talking about your relationship stuff first of all we're men so men don't like to talk about this shit to begin with but then add the layer of being gay on top of that. And then, you know, oh, I'm going to go be a gay business owner. There's all sorts of other fears that start to show up. Okay, well, am I going to get some asswipe who doesn't want to do business with me because I'm gay? You know, well, if I own this property, if somebody finds out I'm gay, will they not want to move in? All this stuff is possible. But I think the beauty of it is to realize, are you going to let all that stuff hold you back? And if you are, then you probably need to be having a different conversation with yourself and go find the thing it is. I talked to a friend of mine not long ago who's really struggling with their finances. Just, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but everything comes down to retail therapy. And I finally just said to her, I love you, but I don't feel sorry for you right now because all you post is about what you bought and what you bought and what you bought. And I said, we're good enough friends. I think I can go there with you. Just what I've seen you post on Instagram in the last month is probably close to $2,000 worth of shit. You probably don't actually need. And then you complain because you're in debt. You just added $2,000 more debt. Of course I was like being, you know, she didn't like it. She took it. And then a few days later, she's like, okay, what you said really hit home. I'm like, I didn't say it to be an asshole. But I think this is something, too, that when we start to lean in and we realize we aren't alone, other people can see it. Yeah, maybe you won't have a friend like me who will <laughs> call you out in a bad way. But I knew I could do it with her because I care about her a lot. You know, we need those friends. We need the friends that are going right. to call us out on our bullshit and, and say, you don't need that. Or, you know, you could. Right. <laughs> You're doing it to yourself. Well, and to your story about, you know, what do you mean you don't want to go on this, you know, cruise to Cabo for four days? It isn't a matter of don't want to. It's a matter of I sit there and I critically think about, okay, why, why would I? Now, there may be a really good reason why I would. But four days later, am I going to regret it? Four days later, is it going to have been worth it? Those are the critical thoughts. You know, and in fact, I'll use my husband and I as a really good example. We were picking up wine at a wine party um, over the weekend. Now, we love our wine and we, we make them. I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows I'm a big old wino. But it was the first time we went to a wine pickup party that, A, we didn't even pick up the wine that we've already paid for first because there was a big, long line. But we're like, hey, we're, we're going to Austin. We're going to Costa Rica. We got some stuff coming up. Kids are going to be here next weekend. We're going to be going to wineries with them. It's like we walked out of there, which I know there's going to be some friends of mine that are listening going, oh, my God, Rick didn't buy any wine. No, we did not buy any wine. because, And we could have because we could have got a really good discount yesterday on some of the stuff. But I was critically thinking again, you know, and I, I, I wish more of us had people who could do this for us. And maybe, Tom, hopefully somebody's listened today and like, wow, those guys really helped me kind of think about where I'm going. So what's one of the biggest lessons you've learned out of this whole journey of like, hey, I started when I was young and now here I am. Um, he's just a baby kind of, but hey, you're going to love your 40s. Just telling you, I love my 40s were my favorite decade so far. So, um, but what's something you've learned that you're like, I'm so glad I learned that lesson. Um, I've learned a lot of things the hard way. Sometimes I'm too, um, too aggressive and not aggressive enough. I did buy a crack house on eBay um, mm -hmm. and completely regretted it. 
and struggled through it, but then I sold it. And then another thing is sometimes I'm not aggressive enough. I bought enough bras at one time for my eBay store and I sold them and I bought a condo with it. Mm. And I could have bought three condos with it if I would have committed to all, you know what I'm saying? So right. there's the, I think for me, the lessons of where the balance is and where a happy medium is, is mm. sometimes I take too little risk. Sometimes I take too much risk. And then there's a lot of times where I'll take on more than what I can chew and i was talking with my husband on our drive home and i'm like you know they're offering me this many pallets at this price if i take them on this day and he's like where are you gonna put 24 pallets are you insane like what is wrong with you (laughs) and then as i'm sitting there quietly in the car i'm like you know what he actually is right we don't have room for 24 pallets right now but i really want that and i know that it'll sell for x amount at this time so i i side with him and we're not taking on 24 new pallets but I, I think that's been a, a huge lesson for me. And then another, you know, that's just kind of that. I think that's over the past 10 years of doing this, you know, buying or selling one or two or three properties every year. That's what I've, you know, right. where's the balance and, and what's a healthy balance. That's a huge thing. The balance piece. And then, and not only that, but also creating balance in this world as a entrepreneur, you can't work 24 seven. I mean, there's so many entrepreneurs I see burnout or people who are like guys that are like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to stay in this job till then. I'm going to stay in this job till then. There's never a till then. You may think there is, but there never is. I mean, no matter what you're doing, just find a way to start balancing your life right now, because the sooner you can put balance in, and I hate the work-life balance thing. I don't believe that. It's like, it's like more integration, find places to integrate your life, your work, everything so that the integration happens and you're not like, all I do is work, 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 work. Or all I do is build this business, build this business. I mean, I have a good friend who's building his business right now. And he's just struggling. He's just struggling every step of the way. Well, what did you do? It's like, I'll share with you what I did, but that may not be what's going to work for you. And yes, he's a fellow coach. So I get that. But it's like, there's something about really just finding your groove that takes a bit. But once you find the groove, stick with it number one, give it time and don't expect overnight results, but yet push to get the results, you know? And I love that you brought the whole balance thing in because if you don't have the balance, if you don't have the balance, the balance sheets will balance either. So it's like, you will be burning the candles at both ends, And then suddenly you're like, I can't even think straight. And then you'll make a stupid decision. And then your husband will be yelling at you because you have 24 pallets of shit sitting around and you know but i think that's the biggest thing so um well tom i love that we got to have this conversation because it just it's i think it's eye-opening to guys to number one like hey just because you're 30 something 40 something and you think oh i'm just stuck in this you're not you're not stuck where you are there's opportunities also the opportunity could be it's a side hustle it could just be a side hustle for a while i mean neither one of us like suddenly here we are that's how it started for me. I mean, real estate and my eBay business were side yeah. hustles, yeah. you know, that I would do on the night or a weekend. And yep. it's turned into my full-time job now. And that's why I felt confident in January leaving my job and, yep. and going with it. And it's gone well. It's yeah, developed. And, it's and guys, don't let somebody else like some sensation, like I did this and it happened overnight. Those are so few and far between. I mean, it's just, it's crazy that it's like we get hung up on those. It's great to follow those people. I'm not going to say it's not, but it's so rare 
that suddenly somebody does something and it explodes. Trust that whatever you're doing, side hustle, yeah, you may you may go, oh, I don't have a lot of time. Well, if you don't have enough time, then maybe you're trying to do your side hustle too much. Make room for your life and your side hustle and see what it can bring you. And it's like, well, but I can't come up with a good idea. There are so many ideas out there. And the one that you think you're going after may not end up being the one you actually do. Just putting that out there for dang sure. So, um, so we will have everything to connect with Tom. We've got his um, Twitter accounts and all that. So you can check him out and see what he's up to. And I was going to say, and then you can get his course. I'm not going to say that, <laughs> um, but Thank I would definitely follow him. I've enjoyed following him and like watching what he's doing and seeing how he's doing it. And he wouldn't be sitting here talking if it wasn't like, Oh, this is interesting to me. So, um, but thanks for carving out time, buddy and sharing your insights and, you know, go flip some more houses, go do that thing you do. Just don't go buy 24 crates of shit. Your hubby will probably say no. we're done. He will. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely, man. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back in just another week with another episode of 40 Plus Gay Men, Gay Talk. That's a wrap for 40 Plus Gay Men, Gay Talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men, Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.